You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, please take your Bibles this evening and turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Again, privileged to be with you folks this evening. Thank you so much. And we're on furlough. We've been on the field for five years. And we're presently driving all over the country. And uh, last Wednesday night, we were in Logan, Utah. And this past Sunday morning and Sunday night, we were in Rapid City, South Dakota. uh, Tonight with you folks. And then this coming Sunday, we'll be in Fridley, Minnesota. uh, With Pastor Poorman and... Woodcrest Baptist, and then on down to Fort Madison, Iowa, and then to Missouri, and then to Nashville, and finally back home to Virginia. Amen. Uh, so we're on, we're traveling around, and it's good to be with you this evening. And my September 11th, you know, you think about that. Um, I remember I was my senior year of college, and I was playing ping pong. And there in Tennessee, I was going to Lincoln Memorial University in Harrogate, Tennessee. And I saw this thing going on, and uh, my, my friends, we, we thought it was like a movie or something like this was a preview for a movie. It just did not seem real. But once it sunk in that it was real, I'll just share a quick testimony for me. I was living so far from God, it wasn't even funny. And you know what I thought? The rapture has happened, and I've missed it. So I immediately called my mom, because I knew if she answered the phone, I'm still okay. And I was like, oh, please answer, please answer. And she did, and I thought, whew, okay. I didn't miss the rapture, but I'm serious. It was a, it was a spiritual uh, point in my life that, you know, you know, the Bible talks about we ought to examine ourselves. And so from time to time, let me encourage you, if you're not sure that you're saved, There's no greater thing ever than to know that God has imputed his righteousness to your account by faith, (laughs) amen, by the grace of God. But um, I want to speak to you tonight on characteristics of a missionary. Um, In the military, my first job when I joined the Air Force, I wanted to be a pararescue jumpman, and that is, they're called the PJs. And that's the special ops of the Air Force. Air Force has combat controllers and TACP and and pararescue jumpmen. The Navy has the Navy SEALs. The Marines have. They just changed it. It, uh, I can't remember the name up now. Maybe it's something something cool. Marines do cool stuff, you know. Uh, But, uh, you know, the Army has the Army Rangers and the Green Berets. And and in the Air Force, I wanted to be a pararescue jumpman. And so I finished my uh, seven weeks of basic military training at Lackland Air Force Base. And then I went across the street to Medina, uh, to start this uh, course. There were 98 of us, I think, that started. And uh, one thing you, you do when you're around in that group of guys, you look at them eyeball to eyeball, and you start you know, eyeing people, and you think to yourself, does he have what it takes? But then you see yourself in the mirror, and you go, do I have what it takes? I don't know. And uh, I, I did not. Those people are crazy. Okay, they, 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 they are, they're genius, but they're crazy. I have too much risk-reward going on in my mind. Um, for example, they, we get you in the pool and they do what they call water confidence. They, wanna, they want to make sure you're confident in the water. 
And so uh, what they do is they call, the, they call it an interval training, and you're all up against the wall, and it's a 25-meter pool, and you have three minutes. When they say go, the cadre says go. You swim 25 meters underwater to the other end, get, come up, and then swim on the top uh, back. And, of course, on the top you can breathe. You know how it is, swimming. And you have three minutes to complete that, and so whatever time you get when you got back, you have to rest. So if that takes you 45 seconds, well, you got two minutes and 15 seconds to kind of catch your breath and, you know, before you go again. Not a big deal. But what they do is they take that three minutes and they bring it down to 2.30. And then they bring it down to like two minutes. And then they bring it down to like a minute 30. And so effectively what ends up happening is by the time you get down and back, you're, so to you're totally out of breath. And then they're like, go. And so you go again <laughs> and you're underwater. And uh, see, if you come up, they're going to smoke you. Everybody's going to get out of the pool. Everybody's going to do push-ups until somebody quits. You know, they're going to put you in the front. <laughs> I mean, and everybody's not going to like you. So your other option is just pass out underwater. <laughs> See, I, I, to me, not doing that. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you think about the characteristics of our armed forces and some of those special ops guys, I mean, you think of faithfulness, you think of courage, you think of dedication, uh, the, the stuff that they're willing to do is just nothing short of amazing. And when it comes to being a missionary, amen, and everybody in here, if, we, if you name the name of Christ, you are a missionary. Uh, God has you here at Sioux Falls to be a witness to those around us. What are the characteristics of a, I'll say this word, useful missionary? Not successful, because God's definition of success is different than the world's de definition of success. God uh, looks at success more as obedience to his word, amen, rather than uh, all the things that the world would say would be successful. So what, is it, what are some characteristics of a useful missionary? Well, let's read in the life of, uh, of Paul this evening as he writes back to those that, there at Thessalonica. Let's begin reading in uh, chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom 
and glory. I want to speak to you tonight on three, uh, here's the point, Christians must be useful missionaries. You say, well, preacher, how would you define a useful missionary? What would be some characteristics of a useful missionary? I want to share three characteristics of a useful missionary this evening. Um, Characteristic number one of a useful missionary, and I know this will seem very basic and foundational, but it's still the truth. A useful missionary, one of the characteristics of a useful missionary is he makes sharing the gospel the primary thing in his life. Wherever he goes, wherever she is, she makes sure, he makes sure he's telling other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul says there. Look at it in verse number two. Even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, watch it, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. We could say right there that, I mean, Paul, his missionary journey was not a bed of roses. They didn't applaud Paul whenever he came and preached the gospel. Uh, Somebody said there was usually either a riot or a revival wherever Paul preached. I mean, people got upset, but some people got saved. But Paul would testify as a useful missionary, come what may, we were going to be bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God. We were going to just, uh, somebody said boldness uh, is, is fear that said its prayers, amen. And you ever get nervous trying to witness to people? I do. And, but we need some boldness. At, at that point, we need to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and just say, God, would you please help me? And just, when you're in those conversations, turn them, uh, ask God to help you and get that thing centered on spiritual, out, spiritual things. Amen. Let me encourage you with this. People are willing to talk about that. Now, it might take a little bit of, you know, chit-chat, but get it in there. People will talk to you. I was just the other night at Cabela's, amen. They don't have Cabela's in Virginia, I don't think. But I like Cabela's. It was cool. And uh, Barry in Cabela's from South Dakota was trying to sell me some sunglasses, amen. They were nice sunglasses. Then he told me the price tag. I said, missionary Barry. (laughs) Ain't happening, brother. (laughs) But we we got to talking, and he was an Army Vietnam vet. You know, and and the Lord helped me to turn that thing spiritual. I said, do you ever think about spiritual things, Barry? Especially maybe while you're over in the war. And, and, you know, he kind of opened up and said, yes, I had the opportunity to share the gospel. What are you saying? If we're going to be if we're going to be useful, it's got to be primary in our life, carrying that burden that says, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm going I'm going to invite them to church. I'm going to invite them to the ladies thing. I'm going to invite them to the men's outing. I mean, I'm going to say a good word for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it was D.L. Moody, the evangelist I was reading, who said uh, he purposed in his heart he would not let 24 hours go over his head without telling somebody about Jesus. I thought that was good. And he placed that burden upon himself. And he said sometimes at nighttime he'd be getting in the bed and the Holy Spirit would remind him, you know, you didn't tell anybody about Christ today. And then he put his clothes back on and go back out on the street and find somebody. One time he went up to a guy standing on a lamp, underneath a lamppost and went up to him and said, Sir, are you a Christian? And that man said, if I don't like that kind of question. I ought to punch you in the nose. <laughs> a couple weeks later, that same man found D.L. Moody and said, I need to know how to be saved. And, and led him to the Lord. Because the truth is, we don't know what's going on with people. 
Everybody has a facade. Everybody has a Facebook account. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't put in the heartache. They don't put in the doubt, the questions. And God has called us, if we're going to be useful missionaries, we have got to be the ones that share the gospel of Jesus. What a wonderful message to share too, amen? I love what Paul says there in verse number three. Our exhortation, I mean his preaching, his exhorting was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Let's say this evening that the word of God, when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that man is a sinner, that man is deserving of hell, that man is separated from God, but God loved the world and God became a man and walked on this earth, proved and demonstrated his love for man and then willingly died on Calvary. He was our substitute. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. For Christ hath also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Hallelujah. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a glorious message. That man can be reconciled to God when he puts faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Paul would say, he says there's no deceit in that. Amen. There's no error. It's right. Hallelujah. That's not wrong. It is right that man is a sinner and our only way is to be reconciled to God by what Christ did at Calvary. And he all goes on to say, nor of uncleanness. I mean, he didn't mix anything with it. Hallelujah. It's not a works-based salvation. It's not uh, salvation plus good works, salvation plus reformation, salvation plus baptism, salvation plus church membership. All those things have their place. But I like what the old Puritan said, the only thing that we contribute to salvation is the sin that made it necessary. It's without deceit. It's nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. And that just simply means there's no hidden agenda behind it. Amen right there. When we preach the gospel to people, there's no hidden agenda. There shouldn't be a hidden agenda. Unfortunately, there are many people on television that will have a different, you know, send me $1,000 and God will bless you kind of thing. But Paul would testify, listen, we preached unto you the gospel, no deceit, no uncleanness, uh, no guile. It's a glorious message. Let me ask you tonight, when was the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? When was the last time you, you just determined, I'm going to get some gospel tracts and I'm going to pass it out to the attendant at, at Walmart or at wherever you go. or at, I'm going to be a witness wherever I go. That, if we're going to be useful missionaries, it's got to be there. Let me give you a second characteristic. A second characteristic of a useful missionary, not only his primary thing is preaching the gospel, but number two, he loves people. He loves people. He truly has a heart for people. Look at what Paul says there in verse number 7. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but our own, also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. I mean, what, notice that, 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 that language that he's using. He says, 
we were willing to give your own soul because you were dear unto us. We were gentle among you. I mean, we cher- uh, cherisheth you like a mother does or like a nurse does her children. There was, a, there was a, a sincere and real compassion the Apostle Paul would have for those that he was witnessing to. Reminds us a lot of the Lord Jesus Christ. You read the life of Christ and he loved the unlovable. And thank God I'm one of those. There's nothing in me that merits God's grace to me. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He loves me when I was unlovable, and he, st- he still loves me. <laughs> I hadn't, you know, I'm not that <laughs> sanctified yet, amen. But I mean, the, the, they would bring him the, the woman uh, caught in adultery, and he had compassion on her. Uh, the rich young ruler came up and said, Good master, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus listed off several of the commandments, which no one has kept. And this young guy says, I've kept all of those since I was young. And Jesus, the Bible says, looked on him and he loved him. It says that. God loved him. Jesus loved him. Think about the woman at the well. Oh, you talk about marital problems over and over and over again. Well, we don't have anything to do with those kind of people. No, we do have something to do with those kind of people. We care for them. Jesus, the master, begins to talk of, give me some water, and then he moves it like he does into the spiritual side and says, if you took a drink of the water that I'm offering, you would never thirst again, amen. And he shares the gospel, why? Because he loved people. And God wants us, if we're going to be useful, we got to love people. Somebody said Christians are like porcupines. They got a lot of good points, but they're real hard to get along with. And it ought not to be, should it? Let me ask you this evening, do you know somebody that could use a word of encouragement? Do you know somebody that might, if you could text them and let them know you you care about them? It's it's still true, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. It's so so important for us to really demonstrate compassion and a heart for people. The Apostle Paul did, I mean, we can go back and look at it again, he said, we were gentle among you. We were affectionately desirous of you. We were willing to have imparted not the gospel of God only, but our own souls because you were dear unto us. Do you love people this evening? Let me give you characteristic number three and we're done. Characteristic number three of a useful missionary. What does it take? Do you have what it takes to be a useful missionary? First of all, you've got you to preach the gospel. Then you've got to love people. And number three, characteristic of a useful missionary you've got to live a holy life you have to have uh, a, a testimony that back, that backs up what you're talking your life has to match what you're telling them. Uh, look what Paul says there in verse number 10 ye are witnesses and God also watch it now how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Paul says, you know we loved you. You know we weren't there trying to please men. That's not what we were there for, but we loved you. You know we preached the gospel unto you, but you also know how we lived. He gave three, holy, justly, unblameably. Holy means uh, properly right. (laughs) <laughs> and conformed to God. 
Justly means he, he, he treated everybody the same, amen. He, he, didn't, he didn't treat one class of people dear. I mean, he loved people all the same, unblameably. I mean, he lived his life that above reproach. You couldn't bring any accusations that are provable against the, the man Paul. And we've got to, li- listen, if we're going to be useful, you've got to live a holy life. And we're talking about a life of separation. And I like what one uh, writer said. He said, separation, and this is good, separation is not isolation, it's contact without contamination. It's not isolation, it's contact without contamination. Um, God doesn't want us to go like they used to do and, and live as hermits somewhere to be holy. I mean, you read in church history that some guys would get on the top of a 30-foot pole and live for like 20 years. Like, what are they doing? We're being holy. Uh, no, you're being crazy. <laughs> you, you, that, that, I mean, as Jesus would say, I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil. See, we're in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. Amen. Amen. And churches today are supposed to be in the world, but we're not supposed to be like the world. My pastor, who's now 83 years old, used to say this, it's okay if the boat gets in the water, but be careful when the water starts getting in the boat. Amen. And and in our lives and in our testimony, yes, we're in the world and there's nothing we can do about that. And we're supposed to be there, but let us not be of the world. Let us stand with the Apostle Paul who says, look, you know how we live holily and justly and unblameably. Um, and, And who better else than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I mean, he lived a holy, clean, pure Life. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Amen. He's the ultimate picture of a life given for a world that hated him, but yet he was never stained at all. Of course, he was sinless. Amen. He, um, when I was in the military, my immediate supervisor in, in, uh, in Yokota, when I was there in Japan, was a gunnery sergeant because my office was mixed. I was Air Force, but we had Navy and um, Marines and Army. And my guy was a gunnery sergeant and, uh, from Syracuse, New York. Gunny McGuff. Hey, McKittrick, get in here. All the time, you know. And, uh, you know, he had a mouth on him. He used a lot of um, different vocabulary. And so I tried to clean up the office. I said, Gunny, let's, um, let's have a cussing can. And so every time you say a cuss word, you've got to put a quarter in the can. We'll take that money and we'll go buy uh, coffee for our office. But if anybody cusses, you've got to put a quarter in there. And he came in one day and after a meeting and he said, McKittrick, and he took a $5 bill and he threw it in there. He said, this is for all week. <laughs> he was just that kind of guy. Uh, you know, he, now, here's the thing. And maybe you work in offices that are not the most Christian of places. Maybe you're in an environment where they don't talk about Jesus all the time. Rather, they use his name as a cuss word. <clears throat> God doesn't want us to not go in there. God wants us 
uh, to wake up in the morning, yield ourselves to the Spirit of God, read the Word, spend some time in prayer, and then go into the office place and be that light and be that salt that this world so desperately needs. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I mean, another part of that is it's supposed to be obvious that you're a Christian. Hey, man. It's not supposed to be like, I wonder if they're a Christian or not. It's supposed to be obvious. Like the light in the middle of the room. It's like, well, that's a light. And God calls us and desires us to be useful missionaries and to live that life that is different. Again, not, not isolated, not hermit, but you know what I'm saying. A life that does say, no, nah, there's something different about them. So in conclusion, I believe if we're going to be useful missionaries, all three of these have to come together. Let me show you what I mean. <clears throat> we, can, we can preach the gospel all we want to. You can go to your high schools, you can go to your colleges, you can go to your work, and you can boldly proclaim the gospel, and you can be joyful and happy and having a heart of compassion. But if on Friday night you're out in the bars getting drunk, if, you, if that's your testimony, you can talk all you want to, but you've just shot yourself in the foot. It's just, they're going to hear what you're saying, but they're going to see what you do, and they're going to say, that just, that's, not, that's not right. We've got to live a whole life. If you preach the gospel and live a holy life, but you're mean as a cuss, people don't want to be around you. If you're cantankerous, and always discouraging and always a scowl and you have no joy. Listen, I believe God saves us and puts a song in our hearts. And I'm just talking about, my, I'm different now. I'm not what I should be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be because of the love of Christ. As Paul would say, the love of Christ constraineth me. And here he says, you know we loved you. you we cherished you. You were dear unto us. It's got to be there. It's got to be there. Finally, if we love everybody, I mean, we have a spirit that's sweet and we're looking to help people and we live a clean life. We, we, we have a good testimony. But we never speak it. That's wrong too. Because right at the beginning, he says, you know, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel. Yes, you ought to love people. Absolutely, we ought to have a life that would demonstrate, but that's not enough, folks. We've, they don't know, people today don't know the gospel. I mean, I'm serious. We're over in Japan, and we have uh, the, the young folks that are coming that are joining the Air Force. I mean, we, in a Sunday school class, I said, take, let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis. And one 12-year-old American girl said, where's Genesis. Now, these aren't the heathen children of Southeast Asia. This is an American saying, what's Genesis? So what am I saying? We're going to have to talk to them. You're going to have to turn that conversation. You're going to have to invite them to church. You're going to have to ask them, hey, if you died today, do you know where you'd spend eternity or is that something you're still thinking about? 
hey, do you ever think about spiritual things? You're going to have to, to speak it. So in conclusion, do you have what it takes to be a useful missionary? Preach the gospel boldly. Love people and then live a holy life. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for... We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.